Hello, and welcome to the eighth episode of the OWL podcast. Today, we get to talk to Chris Boggs. He has a very inspiring story about overcoming adversity and disappointment and not letting anything stand in the way of his passion for aviation. Here's Chris's story. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the OWL podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Chris Boggs, and he is a scheduler dispatcher with Humana. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Lindsay. How are you? Very good, thank you. I appreciate you taking your time to talk with us today. I think it's... Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's awesome always to learn how people come into the industry and and why they stay and, and what they like about it. So I think let's start off with that first. How did you get into scheduling? Yeah, so my story begins way back in high school. Uh, locally, where I'm from, there's a trade school to where if you know that you want to be a certain trade, like a bricklayer or masonry, you can attend this school during your high school uh, time period, and you'll learn those, those skills instead of world geography, for example. And during that time, they offered... Uh, pilot training and AMP training. And so uh, a couple of my friends, uh, we got together and the three of us decided, you know, we didn't want to sit through world geography. And and so we chose to go pilot route. And so my junior year of high school, we did all ground school. And then my senior year is when we did all the flying. And that's kind of where I picked up the love for aviation and, and the passion for aviation. Uh, and and so that kind of carried uh, i had my private license before i even graduated high school which was a, a pretty awesome thing coming from a, a small town in southern indiana everybody thought that was just really cool and so i wanted to go on to be in commercial aviation and so i went to school uh, in southern indiana for commercial aviation uh, unfortunately i came home one weekend uh, my freshman year had a bad car accident and the witnesses all described it as the most horrific crash they'd ever seen i walked out of it with no scratches no broken bones but no recollection of how it happened and so everybody's oh you must have blacked out <laughs> so being a naive 18 year old i go back and tell my um uh, the, the flight school that, Hey, I think I blacked out this past weekend, not really understanding the implications of what that meant. Yep. And so the, the, uh, gentleman that was teaching me how to fly the CFI, he freaked out. They went and talked to the Dean and the Dean of the school uh, pretty much told me, look, you're done until you can get a first class medical and prove that you don't have epilepsy or any other kind of health issue. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that kind of set me down a, a spiral that developed into depression. And ultimately, I left school, moved back home, um, stayed with my parents, went to a community college here in Southern Indiana and got my bachelor's in business and finance. Uh, the, the initial plan was to take classes that would transfer back up to the, the aviation piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, but life just had a different plan. But I always knew that aviation is where I wanted to be. That was my passion. 
Uh, you know, my my ground school instructor, my junior of high school, gave me the famous quote, quote from I think it's uh, Leonardo da Vinci about once you look up, you know, you're always or once you fly, you're always looking up, wishing you would be up there. And that was the case. I wanted to be in aviation, but um, yeah, I came home, fell into the credit card trap, and spent over twenty five thousand dollars before I was nineteen. And and so that kind of prevented doing much with life because I had to have a job to pay that off. And so I was going to community school and working and kind of fell into the finance world. And that's where I thought my path was going to be. I graduated and decided that's not what I wanted to do. And so uh, about that time, Humana was doing their annual hiring blitz where they hire a couple thousand people every year to handle Medicare's open enrollment. And so I was lucky enough to get on there, started in the call center and kind of just networked. I kept networking and Humana's flight department is kind of one of the best kept secrets of Humana. And I was scrolling through job openings one day and saw Humana Aviation. I was like, what is that? So I, I did so much networking and the, the people that I talked to had no idea it even existed, just like I did. And so I finally got in touch with the right people and spoke with one of their schedulers who I coincidentally went to, went to school with. And so her and I talked back and forth for quite a while and eventually she went to Green Your Pastures and I fell into her spot. And that was uh, 20, 2015 and kind of been there ever since. And, and it's really the, the passion and love for aviation that's keeping me there. It's a crazy story. Like, yeah, the, I'm just a medical. Nobody tells you that in advance, that that can be catastrophic if we live, you know, have, I guess, unproven or something that you can't tell exactly what happened and then networking. I was going to ask you, yes, you had any idea that Edimana had a flight department. Yeah, no, I didn't even know that uh, these corporations had corporate flight departments. Uh, You know, I just, coming from the area that I'm in, Humana is the only Fortune 100 or really Fortune 500 company in probably a two to 300 radius. And so those kind of things just don't exist in this area. And so I had no idea and that you, know, you go through business school and you learn about these Fortune 500 companies, but you don't think how they actually do business. Mm-hmm. And and so it was eye-opening to learn and then to eventually be offered the position in the department. And it seems too like when you were in flight training, although you were young, maybe they're not talking about that. So they're not talking about it in high school or even university college. No, unfortunately... Yeah, and unfortunately, back then, it's all geared towards going commercial, mm-hmm. getting into the, the commercial door. And I've had um, several conversations about the the business world and how business aviation is really suffering because corp- or commercial airlines are just snatching up these kids by going to career days and getting them when they're freshmen, sophomores in college and setting that path of this is what I'm going to do. And then the business aviation world doesn't even have a leg up. 
plan to to get to get these individuals when they graduate. Oh, I agree. It would be cool if even that program that helps you do your ground school and and junior and senior year be great if somebody could just even come in and talk to the young people about the fact that there is a business aviation section and it is quite large. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. So when you came into Humana, you had no experience, it sounds like, at least in the scheduling part of it, into their aviation department. How did you learn and how to do your job? Yeah, so I was kind of brought in to do the data analytics of the department. Uh, my previous role was in data analysis, and they needed somebody to do the invoicing and the reporting because I'm sure like most departments, we kind of operate independent of the larger corporation. And so we handle our own invoicing and part sourcing and uh, fuel sourcing and et cetera. And so I was brought in to, with, with the skill set to handle the, the data piece of the department. And then my director at that time felt that I would just be able to learn the scheduling piece, which I did, of course. That's common theme. People either come in with zero experience or they come in with different experience and they're taught. I think the, the core of it though, was the, the love and passion for aviation. Uh, you know, if, if you don't really have a love for that, I don't know if you're going to enjoy it as much as you probably could. Um, but looking out the door and seeing the aircraft take off or, you know, our mechanics work on the aircraft, it's just, it's just a, a great feeling to, to work in that kind of department. That's, that's awesome. And I have seen your office. It's pretty awesome. You have a great view. Yeah. We're very proud of what we've got now. So how are, just to kind of add a little question about the pandemic, how are you guys working? Are you guys doing a lot of uh, on-call or remote working? Or are you guys going into the office? Uh, we're doing a little bit of both. Uh, we are primarily remote. However, uh, my coworker and I, we are really the administrative people of the office. And so we found out very quickly once we all got sent home because Humana um, sent everybody home. You know, I think we got a, an email one of the first or second weeks of March that, you know, if you're not essential to the company, go home. And there was no question about, can I stay here? It was no, you, you got to go home. And our CEO throughout the pandemic kept saying, you know, there's about 2000 people that are still in the office. And so I think, you know, we've, we've got about 50,000 strong and out of 2000 still working, that, that's a large percentage to send home. Yeah. And so we, yeah, we quickly found out that the office does not run very smoothly or well without the schedulers in the office. And so we would go in, you know, about once a week or every other week just to kind of maintain like the mail, sorting in the mail, uh, refreshing the assortment of uh, snacks and drinks and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so now that we're a year and a half almost into it, we are now going in a few days a week. Um, our directors kind of asked us to be there more than not um, now that we are getting past the pandemic. And primarily during departures and arrivals and kind of be that the, the admin, so to speak, in the office for any kind of possible situation that could come up. Right. Because in this job, we all know that's 
anything strange that can happen will happen, right? Well, and that's really another reason why I love this job because it's different every day. You know, you wake up and you say, oh, I'm going to get X, Y, Z done. And then ABC happens and you never even touch X, Y, Z. And it's really, that's what I enjoy a lot of is you just never really know what's going to happen from day to day. So true. So true. Uh, I think that's for everybody. We all go into the work taking we're going to get certain things done and it just doesn't happen. So, Chris, I know you have some other passions that are important to you, and um, I'd love to touch on some of the volunteer work that you do. Tell us about what yeah. you volunteer. Yeah, so I uh, I do ski patrol. Uh, believe it or not, here in Kentucky and Indiana, we do have a couple small uh, skiing hills. And I started skiing back when I was young, and... I'd, I'd see these people on the slopes doing these really cool things and wearing these red crosses on their on their back. I'll be back, man, that's really cool. I want to do that one day. Well, unfortunately, uh, my high school buddy took his own life uh, three or four years ago. And from that, I pushed myself to live every day to its fullest. And I was on Facebook one day and one of the Facebook groups I follow they put a ad out that said ski patrollers wanted and i said why not and i took that opportunity embraced it and uh, there's a lot of work that goes into being a ski patroller because you are considered a first responder so you got to do a lot of medical training to be able to be a first responder and from that i have um now i i teach the class that i once took so I started this three years ago and I'm in coming up on the fourth year and now I am co-teaching the 16 week ski patrol class. And I've also become a recruiter. So the same individual that recruited me has now gone on to a different path of his life and I've stepped in and now I'm responsible for exciting people like he did me to, to join the patrol. So it's really volunteerism has without knowing it has really become part of my life um, because you don't get paid to do any of the ski patrol work and you're driving hours to get to the resort you're spending hours in cold wet rainy snowy conditions and it's not for the faint of heart you really have to enjoy it and but the the no, that's a great story. It's a wonderful story. Sad in the beginning, but what an inspirational story. You're right. You know, do what you love. Is there any, um, I don't know, do you have any cool stories of rescues you might have? Well, not really, because I'm still, I, I'm kind of shy, and I don't have a lot of confidence with my medical skills, which is part of the reason why I wanted to teach the class, to, to become better at it. So... Mm -hmm. I, I kind of stay in the background, but you know, the, the class itself and just being on the patrol has really pushed me to go outside my comfort zone. Um, I have done so much in the past three to four years that are outside my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I, I implore and push everybody to, to find that, find something that you're not comfortable with and go do it. You know, it's going to be scary at first but it's going to be one of the most rewarding satisfying feelings that you're going to feel 
in your lifetime. That's completely agree. Completely agree. And um, that might bring me to my next piece that um, you do a lot of social media work and you help me with social media work. I'm not sure if that's outside your comfort zone, but it's, it's not in my comfort zone. So I really appreciate all the work you do for us. Um, is that just something that you enjoy doing or have experience with it? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Um, I don't really have too much experience other than just self-teaching. Um, I tend to have a te- te- techie brain. And so things just click for me when it comes to technology. Um, you know, a, a lot of people stray away from technology or, or get scared of it. And I'm, I'm right there in it and trying to figure things out and tinker. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I would go get my father's tools and his parts that he used for his job and, and take them apart and try to figure out how they work. That's just how my, my brain is programmed. I'd like to figure out things tick. And so I'll get in there and just tinker. And before you know it, I'm creating videos and doing all these posts and, and et cetera. So, I've come to love it. It's quite fun. And what I get out of it is seeing people like things and and interact and get excited about things. And so I'm constantly pushing myself to figure out what is going to make that click for that person and be like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I want to do that. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. And it's certainly a need out there. Well, and I've got my wife to help me too. She's a, a communications major and she can look at a photo. I come up with this witty, the most wittiest little phrase that you can think of. And I'm like, that's awesome. So a lot of times she, she steps in and kind of helps me. That's wonderful. Teamwork there. That's right. Good job done. Well, cool. Well, Chris, okay. So what if you were meeting maybe some of the new people in, in, your, in their junior year or senior year and they're interested in aviation? Uh, what would you tell them, perhaps either how about the industry or even suggestions on how to get into the industry? What, what do you like about it? Any suggestions for new people? Sure. I, I would probably say, you know, don't get tunnel focused on one aspect. You know, there's so many opportunities within the aviation and aviation world that, you know, you cannot just focus on, on one area. And that's, that's kind of what happened to me back in, in my younger days. And I really wish that I would have just stayed focused on the, the bigger picture of aviation and not so micro-focused on being a commercial pilot. Um, even to this day, I've not flown in a couple of years. Uh, I still have a passion for it. I did get back in the cockpit and do a few touch and goes uh, just a couple of years ago. And so I, I know I still have the passion. But at the same time, it's not the same passion that I had 10 years ago. And then so I, if I looked back, it would be to say, look, you know, don't, like I said, don't laser focus, go out there and, and do internships, focus on networking and doing internships with other companies, because you may love being a pilot, but you may love being a mechanic more. Or you may, you may love talking with executive admins and scheduling their aircraft more. 
there, there's so many opportunities out there that it's it's sad just to see people get laser focused on one one path. That's really good advice. You know, like one path doesn't work out in aviation, so there's a, a ton more. <laughs> just keep on going. I think you focus or you mentioned networking too. I think obviously that helps you get into the aviation department for Humana. Um, and I think sometimes, especially the young people, might maybe not realize how important that networking is. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I was right there. I, I absolutely hated networking. And to this day, it still terrifies me just to go up and, and shake somebody's hand. But I forced myself to do it. And so much so that the, the buddy that I go ski with, he yells at me because when we get on a ski lift with a random person, I'll just sit there and start a, a conversation. And you know, he, he hates that. He, he would prefer just to ride up on the chairlift in silence versus me strike up a random conversation. But I've now come to hate awkward silence. And so I'll, I'll fill that void with usually something silly or something stupid that comes back and makes me look stupid. But, um, yeah, it, 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 you, you meet people that way. You, you get to know their story and an understanding of who they are versus just sitting there in silence. Totally true. And what a good way to practice getting out of the comfort zone. Obviously, it is your comfort zone now if you're able to talk to anybody on the chair with. And, and you've got a leader from a feet. Exactly. There's some awesome Hebra out there. Well, any other parting words for us, Chris? Well, no, I don't think I've got too much else parting words. I appreciate this opportunity to uh, to speak with you and to and, and to um, get the word out about scheduling and dispatching. Um, I know, I think our our world is kind of small in comparison to other worlds within aviation, and and I'd love to see more people you know get into it and. You know, transform the the profession from an admin type role to more of a a needed role, and not needed because you're an admin, but actually give wealth to the the organization. Uh, I know we've been struggling with our operations to be to fit in more, and instead of just being, hey, you sent this email to, hey, what do you think about this going into this airport? Um, I, I think we're slowly turning the tide on that, and I think we'll eventually be, you know, more worthy to the department and, and add more um, information to the flight versus just saying, "Hey, you're going to X Y Z. Here's your trip sheet." Mm-hmm. You you uh, touched on the topic I'm super passionate about as well. I I agree. I keep this position has brings a, a ton of safety and technical skills to the flight departments. It is not just our itinerary center. Yep. Okay, I love that. That's awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. What a wonderful story. And I really hope this inspires others to just keep on going, even if one path in aviation isn't marketing, to just find another path so you might like it as well or even better. Spooky says. Thank you for your time. And if anyone wants to get a hold of Chris, his email is chris.b.boggs, and that's B-O-G-G-S, at gmail.com. You can always reach out to me as well if you have any questions and I can get you in contact with it as well. 
And with that, I will wrap up episode eight. Uh, and again, thank you very much, Chris, for your time today. Yes, thank you very much, Lindsay.